Well, we start a brand new series today, a series that I am very excited about. And it's this series that we have entitled Voice Lessons, Teaching Your Heart to Sing. And so when I thought about voice lessons, and I thought about this whole idea of singing, I thought back to when I was in junior high, and we weren't really given a choice. We had to sing in chorus. Like, you weren't given a choice. So we all did it. And I remember, like, our teacher would go to the piano, and we would stand next to the piano. This is a very embarrassing thing. We would stand next to the piano in front of the whole class, everybody that was in chorus, and we had to see what our range was. And so, you know, the whole do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Remember, remember that? If you had to do that. And so the teacher would get at the, don't get nervous, Brad, because I don't know how to even do that on this keyboard. But, but they, would, they would play that and, and they would keep going up until you got to a point where you couldn't hit the note anymore. And then they would say, oh, you're a soprano. Didn't say that to me, but you're a soprano. Or, yeah, I think you're an alto or I think you're a tenor, or I think you're a baritone, or I think you're a bass, right? Or the worst thing that you didn't want to hear from the chorus teacher was what? You're totally what? Tone deaf. (laughs) Didn't want to hear those words. Because you didn't get out of chorus, even if you were tone deaf. They just made sure a microphone wasn't at all close to you when you would perform, right? And so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on how many of you are tone deaf. I, I was thinking about this, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, a pa- I'm a pastor's kid. I'm not, I w- wasn't a pastor. I mean, it's not like in the past tense. I still am. Uh, but I, was, I remember when we would sing in church, and, and I remember we would all line up. So you got to picture this, right? We got this whole row of boys, six boys, and our mom there. And then our dad was on the stage because this was like old school, right? Like, like when you were, didn't matter, all the pastors sat on the stage. You know those churches? Like, you, like they all got a seat that they sit in and they're on stage the whole time. And I remember there was this lady that will remain nameless in case for any chance whatsoever she watches this online or listens to it. But she will remain nameless. And I remember she sat behind us every week and she would sing at the top of her lungs and she was absolutely tone deaf. She couldn't hold a note to save her life. And she was singing so loud. And I remember myself and all my brothers would be singing there with the hymnal open, trying as best as possible not to start laughing because we knew our dad was giving us a death stare from the, from the stage. And I remember if, if one of us started to go... Then it was like a domino effect. So we would look forward. We would, we would read the words in the hymnal. We'd think about the most serious, tragic thing. So we wouldn't laugh. But you know, as I was thinking about this series that we are going to get into and thinking about this passage of Scripture today and thinking about that, God bless her heart, that lady that sang at the top of her lungs, even though she couldn't hold a note, I thought to myself, man, how awesome was that lady that didn't care what anybody else thought? Man, she was praising Jesus, and she didn't care if she could hold a note or not. She wasn't a soprano. She wasn't an alto. She wasn't a tenor. She wasn't a baritone. She for sure wasn't a bass. She was tone deaf, but she didn't care. And so as we dive into this series today, and it'll take us through the next three 
weeks, I want to touch on, there's a reason why that the title of this message, Voice Lessons, has a description with it, teaching your heart to sing. Because when you're worshiping God, you're singing more than with your mouth. See, when we're worshiping God, we're singing with our heart. And God is so much more concerned that your heart is in tune with him than your voice. And that's what I want to go after in this series as we dive into God's word and, and think about, man, how am I supposed to sing? Like, what does it look like when we gather together as God's people in this place and praise God in a few weeks at 610 Coliseum Drive? When we gather into that place, why do we sing? Who are we singing to? How are we supposed to sing? And for us to understand that worshiping God is more about our heart being in tune than our voice being in tune. Because here I know when we talk about a subject like this, there's automatically arguments that are raised, right? Some of you may have them. You're like, well, maybe some of you have come in this place and you kind of see the worship that we do, the singing that we do, kind of as an appetizer to the main course. Like it well, it's, it's kind of what we do to build us up to the preaching of God's word. And let me as lovingly as possible rebuke you. Because we don't sing to prepare us for the opening of God's word. We preach God's word so that we can be better worshipers. That's why we preach. So that we're growing in our faith. So there's a greater desire to worship him when we gather in this place. And there's a greater desire to worship him when we walk out of this place with not only our voices, but with our lives. See, we preach so that we can be better worshipers. We don't sing to prepare us for the message. That's not what we do. And some of us may be thinking that this morning. And that's okay if you've come in today with that idea because we're going to blow that away with God's word today and for the next two weeks. So that's okay that you came in with that. Maybe some of us are like, well, I'm not a good singer. I think we've covered that. Like I, God doesn't care if you're tone deaf. Some of you may be like, well, I'm not that into music. I'm not that into it. When I get in the car, it's talk radio. When I get home, it's nothing. I'm not that into music. So it's not that big a deal. Well, here's the title of the message this morning. And man, I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you every week. But I encourage you to take notes today because here's the title of the message, The Method Behind the Music. What's the method behind the music? And turn in your Bibles to Psalm 96, because that's where we're going to be today. We're laying the foundation. We're going to give the method today behind what we do, but the method behind the music. And what I want to do this morning is literally identify three questions that we need to answer in order to understand the method behind the music. And so hopefully you're in Psalm 96 by now. I gave you enough time and if you're new to your Bible, here's an awesome trick. Just kind of open up to the center of the Bible, and chances are you'll find yourself in Psalms. But Psalm 96, let's look at verses 1 through 3, because this is going to give us the first question and the first answer that we need to address in order to understand the method behind the music. Look what it says in verse 1. 
It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Here's the first question we need to ask today in order to understand the method behind the music. Number one, who am I singing to? Who'd you sing to this morning? Who are you going to sing to when this message is done today? Who are you singing to? Who are we singing to when we gather together in this place? And what I love is this psalm answers that most basic question. Because in these first three verses, what does it say? Sing to the Lord. Then it says, sing to the Lord again, all the earth. Then it says a third time, sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Get this, my audience, when I sing, when we gather together in this place, my audience is one person. One person. One person. Look to the person next to you and say that. One person. I'm not singing with Gray. I'm not singing to the band. I'm not singing to the person next to me. I'm not singing to my spouse. I'm not singing to my life group leader. I'm not singing to my pastors. I'm not singing to my elders. I'm not singing to the person that I don't like that's in here today. I'm not singing to anyone else. I'm not singing so my kids can see that I'm singing, which by the way, they're watching how you worship. I'm not singing to anyone other than Jesus. I have an audience of one, one person. And that's not my opinion because I think it's interesting when you look at these first three verses that three times I'm told to sing. But to sing to who? To sing to the Lord. You know what the Hebrew word for sing is? And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. If you don't know that, you know what the Old Testament Hebrew for sing means? Can you take a guess? Say it with confidence. Sing. Sing. <laughs> That's what it says. You thought it was a trick question, didn't you? I hate it when people do that to me, and I did it to you. Sing in the Hebrew means sing. And I'm to sing to the Lord. It's so direct in this passage of Scripture, but then there's three other verbs that are mentioned. It says bless. That literally means I'm to praise or I'm to salute or I'm to acknowledge. Acknowledge who? Not my neighbor, not my life group leader, not my spouse, not my kids. We already talked about that. I am to bless one person and that is the Lord. I'm to praise him. I'm to salute him. Then there's that word tell, which is an interesting word. It literally means to publish. Like in other words, the way that I sing that when someone watches me, if they are, they ought to be able to say, man, there's no doubt at all that he or she is singing to the Lord. Like they are publishing it, man. Like they're making it known that I am singing to the Lord. I'm told to sing. I'm told to bless. I'm told to tell. I'm told to, what's another verb in verses one to three? I'm told to declare. 
That literally means to make clearly known. Like, I don't want anybody to doubt that when I gather in this place, that I'm singing to an audience of one. And that lady who always used to sit behind us boys, man, she couldn't hold a tune. But we never doubted who she was singing to. She was singing to the Lord. She was blessing the Lord. She was telling. She was publishing who she was singing to. She was declaring, man, she was making clearly known who she was singing to in the midst of boys that couldn't understand this concept of what we're supposed to be doing at the time. See, what I see in these first three verses is that who I am singing to, the answer to that is I am singing to an audience of one. And get this, I want us to understand this. I want this to be our culture. I want us to be ingrained in this idea that if someone came in this place and they had no concept of who Jesus was and they asked you, Why are you who are you singing to? That you would say, man, I'm not singing with the band. I'm not singing to anyone else. I'm singing to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, my audience of one. That's who I'm singing to. Let's look at the next question. Look at what it says in verses 4 through 6. And then we're going to jump to verses 11 through 13 because it helps us answer this second question. Look at what it says. It says, for great is the Lord. Great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuaries. Let the heavens, look at verse 11, let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice and let the sea and all that fills it, verse 12, let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge all the earth and he will judge the world in righteousness and all the people in his faithfulness. First question was, who are we singing to? And the answer was, I'm singing to an audience of one. I'm singing to the Lord, which begs the question for me to ask you this morning, just for you to contemplate that if, that if someone was watching you as you sang this morning, would they say, man, they're singing to Jesus. They're singing, they're blessing, they're telling, they're declaring. Would they say that about the way that you sung this morning? And here's the second question that is a great question to ask. And it's this, why do I sing? Why do we do this? Because remember, some of us would say, well, this is just kind of an appetizer to the main course, which is the preaching of God's word. And listen to me, I'm not minimizing the preaching of God's word in any way. It's foundational to what we do when we gather. So don't misunderstand me on that. But worship is not secondary. The singing of what we do is not secondary. So why do I sing, and I love that this passage of Scripture literally gives the answer because in verses 1 through 3, we just read it, but really verses 1 through 3 gives us the first reason because God commanded it. Because God said so. See, these verbs that are in verses 1 through 3 are in the imperative tense, and if you have re recall back to your English, 
classes in high school or college, you know that that's a command. They're worded in a sense that gives across, this is not an option. So if it's a command, then I simply have a choice. Am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? See, it's not based on, I'm not really into music, or I'm not really into that style, or I'm not really into hearing other people, other people hearing me sing, which is pretty awesome because our music is pretty loud, so nobody can hear you sing by yourself, which don't, we're getting to that in a couple weeks, don't, don't think we're not. But I sing because it's commanded. I can't argue with this. You can't argue with this. I mentioned already, sing is three times. Bless, tell, declare. Man, I don't see an out here. You can look for it, but I don't see an out here in this passage of Scripture. God commands me to sing. That's, first of all, why I sing. Here's the second reason, and it's found in this passage of Scripture that we just read in verses 4 through 6 and 11 through 13. Because God's character, man, it motivates me to sing. It's a motivator. That it motivates my heart to sing, even at times where I don't feel like it. I mean, I've come into this place before and I've been like, man, like something happens right before I walk into this place and I'm like, God, I gotta, I gotta remind myself who I'm singing to. God, I gotta remind myself of why I'm singing. That God, not only is it commanded, not only is it something that you want to hear and you want your people to give you, but God, when I think about who you are and your character, man, it's a motivator for me to sing. It actually is going to help my mood to switch from whatever it happened before I came into this place, that I'm going to focus my attention on who you are because you are greatly to be praised. I'm going to focus on your character. And notice how many times in this passage of Scripture in verses 4 through 6 and 11 through 13, God's greatness is emphasized. That his greatness demands praise. And it's the standard That God's greatness is the standard by which everything else that we want to praise and our hearts are motivated to praise, that God's greatness is the standard, it's the bar by which everything else ought to cower to. Do you see that in that passage of Scripture? Let me give you an example. So, I have in my pocket here a $100 bill. Yep, so don't anybody ask me to write a check, because it'll bounce. This is a $100 bill. Now, this $100 bill, here's what's interesting. How many of you want this $100 bill? How many of you? Seriously? Nobody wants $100? Like, are you all dead? Who wants a $100 bill? All right, let's see here. Uh, let me see here. All right, Wayne, you're like, Wayne, can we give Wayne a hand? He's been, he's been laying carpet all week long in that building. Come on, Wayne, come up here. Come on, right up here. Come on. That's why I asked you to come up here. This is what, this is, you've earned this $100. So here's $100, Wayne. I want you to look at it, all right? Tell me what you see. Ben Franklin. 
So Ben Franklin, good. What else do you see in that hundred dollars? Yeah. So you see some funny language. So it's not a real hundred dollar bill. Seriously? Well, it looks like it's got a bar in it. That might be, but no, no. So what makes you think that the hundred dollars isn't real? Okay. Was it made? It looks real though, doesn't it? At first. At, at a glance. Yeah, at a glance. All right. Let's give Wayne a hand. All right. You can't take this because I need it for eleven. And you're not getting the real hundred dollar bill. I'm sorry. But here's here's what's funny. So I was before I was with the band and we were praying before the service and and I was using this as a bookmark and they were like, man, oh man, that's an uh, that's an expensive bookmark. Everybody thought this $100 was real. And when you look at it, it looks real, doesn't it? Like it's got the bar, it's got Ben Franklin, it's got the $100 in gold, it's got the little Liberty Bell in gold, but there's a problem here because there's some funky Chinese writing. But outside of that, man, it looks real. Like I got nervous ordering these online that the FBI was going to show up at my door. Now, some of you got super amped that I was giving away $100 today. Seriously. Like, is he going to expense that? Are we paying for that? Like, like he's giving away $100. Wayne, I'm sorry, man. You're probably a little excited, weren't you? Carlene was probably even more excited. Why? Because there's this anticipation. Holy cow, I'm, I'm getting $100. But then when you take the $100 and you compare it with the real $100, what do you see? Because I, as I understand, like, perfect example, I showed this to someone else. And they were like, all right, let me see if it's real. And you know what the first thing they did? They held it up to the light, right? Because Why? Because when you hold up $100 to the light, there's something inside of it that lets you know that that $100 is real. See, the person that did that understood, I know what's real from what's fake because I know the standard. And what I love is when we look at this passage of scripture here, let me make sure I keep these separate so I know which is which. When we look at this passage of scripture, look at it again, look at verse, look at verse five. The psalmist says, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but who's the standard? The Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. What the Lord's saying here is, listen to me, our hearts are always going to want to worship something. Our hearts are always gonna be motivated to praise something. Our hearts, every single one of them, are motivated to sing to something. But when we grow in our familiarity with the character and the greatness of who God is, that standard will motivate us to say, what I am singing to most because I understand what's real from what's fake is God, my audience of one, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Because everything else pales in comparison. Like I said, we're all, our hearts all want to sing with something. Think about it. Think about your relationship. Think when you were dating. I'm curious, how many of you had a song? How many of your spouses in you have a song? Don't be embarrassed, dudes. How many of you? A few. Okay. Most of you, man. You don't want $100. You don't got any songs. Here's the deal. We didn't ha- Lori and I didn't have a song either. 
But some of you have a song thinking about your relationship, or you just have multiple songs. Like, like when we go on road trips, like when we were driving back from Florida, we were, I was playing all these different songs, and they were reminding me of different times when Lori and I was dating. And some of you guys, man, you pl- you, you're in the car, and nobody ever see, hears you sing. But man, that favorite country song, or that favorite song that reminds you of whatever it was, man, all of a sudden you're belting it at the top of your lungs. Think about it. Think about weddings, right? Think about weddings. Some of you, man, are so tucked in, and I've seen some of you at weddings. Man, the music kicks on, and all of a sudden it's like an alternative personality out on the dance floor. Because, man, they're playing your song. What I think is so interesting is what the psalmist is telling us today is, wait a minute, you can sing, God has given us music for a reason, but the greatest amount of praise ought to be directed to one person. Why do I sing? Because it's commanded. Why do I sing? Because of God's character. It motivates my heart to sing. And here's the third question we need to answer, and it's found in verses 7 through 10. Would you look at it with me? Look at what the psalmist says. He says, ascribe to the Lord. We'll get to what these words mean here in a second. Oh, families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge his people, the peoples, with equity. Here's the third question that I want to answer this morning in order to understand the method behind the music. What was number one? Who do I sing to? Man, I sing to my audience of one, Jesus Christ. Why do I sing? Because it's commanded, because of God's character. It motivates me. Here's a third question. How do I sing? But we'd say the title of this message, the title of this series, Voice Lessons, Teaching Your Heart to Sing. How do I sing? And that's why Psalm 96 is so foundational to what we do in this place. Because it answers it for us. But before I answer it, I want to give you four words used here that are so important. Remember, these are imperatives. This is not, a, this is not an option. It's Do I obey or do I disobey? It's commanded. All of these verbs are in the imperative tense. But look at what these words are. First of all, there's this word ascribe. It's mentioned over and over again in these verses that we just read. It means giving all that you have. And when I sing, man, I'm giving everything I have. All that I have. Then there's this word bring. It says bring an offering. What it means is, God, I'm... Here it is. God, I'm fearful today. Here it is. God, I'm, I'm excited today. Here it is. God, I'm worried today. Here it is. God, I may be even a little angry today. Here it is. And I'm going to allow what I'm singing to speak to what I'm feeling. Bring an offering. Bring it. Bring what you have. And then there's this word worship. Worship. It literally has the idea of testimony. 
Like when I'm singing, I'm reminding myself of God's character, what we already talked about on why we sing. I'm reminding myself of God's faithfulness in my life. I'm reminding myself of what God has done in my past to prove of who he is. I'm reminding myself of my salvation through Jesus Christ, that even though I'm not good enough, there's no way I can ever warrant a relationship with a holy God because I'm a sinful person. Praise God, Jesus Christ came and he lived perfection in place of my sin and he died on the cross to pay the debt of my sin and he rose again so that I can have a relationship with him and victory over my sin, that I have a testimony that as I'm singing, I'm reminding myself of who Jesus is. I'm worshiping him. Then there's this word come. Simply means to go to a place to worship. What we do in this place can't be mimicked in your living room by yourself. Can't. There's something awesome when God's people gather together and praise him with one voice. Come. Then there's that word tremble. It has the idea of respect and acknowledgement of who he is. That I'm actually, there's a reverence that I'm singing to the God of the universe. There's a reverence there. And then there's that word say, which simply means speak. Say, God, I know this to be true. It's a promise. Those are very important words. And they answer the question for us, how do we sing? Because what did I say earlier? I just don't sing with my mouth, I sing with my heart. And based on these words, I want to give you how we sing. Here's the first way. I sing with my whole heart. We're to sing with our whole heart. Not half of it, not a divided heart, a whole heart. We see that word, we already mentioned it, a scribe, bring an offering, bring everything that I have. All that I have, God, I'm bringing it to you right now. I'm worshiping you with my whole heart. Here's the second way I sing. I sing with a thankful heart. That God, as I sing, I'm gonna remind myself as the words that are on the screen and as, as I'm reading them and I'm singing them, I'm gonna remind myself of how I've seen those words to be true. I'm gonna sing with a thankful heart. We see that in the word worship and come in this passage. I'm gonna sing with a reverent heart. I'm going to remind myself that I'm not just singing just to sing. I'm singing to the God of the universe. You think about that the next time that you're on your iPad while our band is up here worshiping and leading you in worship, and you're more worried about playing Candy Crush on your iPad than singing. I've seen it. There's a reverence that I'm singing with a reverent heart, that I'm singing to a God that if he wanted to, he could wipe me out in a second, but praise God that he doesn't. And I sing with a surrendered heart. See, that's in the word say. It means to declare. It means to say, Lord, I know this to be true. It's a promise. That I'm saying the Lord reigns that I got a surrendered heart, that God, I don't reign. I'm not on the throne. God, you reign. That I've come in this week and I've looked at my week and I've lived my week like I'm on the throne. And even as I'm singing when I gather in this place, God, I'm confessing to you my sin and I'm acknowledging, Lord, you reign. Even as I sing, Lord, forgive me because I've been living like I reign. Lord, you reign. You know what's awesome is you don't even, you may not even realize this, but we have a way that we pick the songs that we sing. There's actually a philosophy. There's a way. And we rate our songs one through five. 
Not one being the best and five being the least. Not that. But in every worship service that we have, we, in our song library, have categorized that's a one song, that's a two song, that's a three song, that's a four song, that's a five song. See, one songs, and it's important that you know this, one songs deter and help us remember <clears throat> why we are here and who we are worshiping to. That's found in that word ascribe, right? So there's certain songs, and the reason why we, <clears throat> excuse me, sing them at the beginning is we're like, we need to remind everyone why we're here. Yeah, that song, that new song, that song that we've always sung, no, that's a one song. It's to remind our people why we're here. And then there's two songs. See, two songs are songs of thanksgiving. Didn't we see that in this passage of Scripture? They're thong- songs to remind us to be thankful, to remind us of God's goodness. And we say, you know, those are two songs. Then there's three, three songs, but these are testimony songs to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness and what he's done in our lives. And the lyrics are written in such a way to point our attention to, as we're singing, to be thinking of times that God has done those things that we're singing. We would say those are three songs. And then we have four songs, which are songs that remind us of all that God's done for us. There's songs about the cross. There's songs about God's grace. There Songs about confession. Then there's five songs. See, five songs, and we like to say every worship service we do, we're always going to get to the five. Because the fives are all about who God is. The fives are all about him. They're really not so much speaking about us, but they're all about God. They're completely vertical in focus. Some of you didn't even realize we had a system. But we do. And here's my greatest desire, as the band comes out, here's my greatest desire for us, is that we would not be content with where we are in this church and how we worship. Like, oh, we got a great band, and oh, I like to say, no, 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 we're not going to be content with where we are. We're always looking to sing more with a whole heart, sing more with a thankful heart, sing more with a reverent heart, sing more with a surrendered heart. Because here's what I know. Some of us in here, you're pretty tucked in. Pretty tucked in. Like, you got a great poker face. Like, I can't tell when I talk to you if you're super excited, if you're completely bummed. You're pretty tucked in. But here's what I've also seen. Then when I'm like, hey, did you see that weight game? Or going to that weight game, all of a sudden, woo! We're super excited, man. I can't believe they just scored a touchdown. They just hit the game-winning shot. Wait a You were so tucked in. And I know we got different personalities and I know we're all wired different ways, but listen to me. The standard of our greatest expression and passions of how we get excited and who we worship and how we sing ought not to be for a ball team, ought not to be for our favorite song of our, with our girlfriend, ought not to be our favorite whatever song it is, but our greatest expression and passions of worship ought to be for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're all wired in different ways. And some of us are getting more excited than others, and you can't change who you are. But here's what I'm encouraging us from the message today. To whatever dial you have, to crank it up full blast when you gather in this place. Because we have an audience of one. Because we're commanded to sing. Because God's greatness motivates us to sing. 
And we've seen from God's word how to sing. And so I want you to stand with me this morning and for the next 15 minutes, see, we, we're gonna respond in worship. We're gonna respond. We're gonna be obedient to what we just saw in God's word and we're gonna sing, great are you, Lord. And here's what I love. There's a great line in this song that says this. God, I'm pouring out my praise to you only. No one else, not to the person next to me, not to the band, but to my audience of one. That is teaching our heart to sing. So let's do that this morning. Let's sing to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Let's do that right now.